0: and everyone, relax. This is Topop. I'm Charlie Clawson.
1: I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching.
0: Uh, apologies again for a late start from me, Will. Uh, half an hour before the show started, I'm in the office prepping everything and uh, I get a message, a phone call from my daughter upstairs and she says, cookies. And I'd forgotten that I'd promised her that we were going to make cookies earlier in the day. And although I didn't have much time, I was like, this could be a turning point in our relationship. When she's on a therapist's couch in 20 years time, and she'll be like, "I'll never forget that time my father promised to make cookies with me, and then he didn't because he was recording Tofop. Tofop, I curse that damn name." My entire life. You know what the thing is, we should just drop in some cats in the cradle in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say it was the most rushed. I had plans, like I actually went out this morning and bought ingredients, like we're going to do a big you know, roll the dough and all that kind of stuff, and she's got these little cookie cutters. But because I had limited time, I was like, let's just go to the healthy cookies because I can put them together with like three ingredients. Get me a banana. give me a banana and some eggs. No, it was just almond flour, coconut oil and chocolate chips uh, and thrown together with haste. I don't even know what shape they'll take when they come out of the oven.
1: Okay. So here's uh, – I've got a couple of questions. So. Yeah. Where did cookies come from? Because like, mate, you're in fucking Australia. It's not fucking cookies. It's fucking bickies. It's biscuits. That's what your mm. daughter should be rolling out some bickies or some biscuits. What's she saying cookies for?
0: Well, uh, because she has a little toy set which is mm. cookies. It's like a little, you know, they're plastic plastic cookie cutters, and it's like it says cookie on the box. So we make plastic. Ten cookies uh, when we were playing in her room, and she wanted the real deal.
1: Australian product or an American product that's been shipped to Australia? Oh, What do you reckon? Is there not any? Is there not any homegrown biscuit cutter? Like, is there not a market for biscuit cutters instead of cookie cutters? Is this the
0: hill you really want to die on that we've imported? much? Yeah, m- I've decided. I've decided this is the hill that I'm going to die on. Absolutely. We did a Halloween episode last week. Where was your outrage then? I'm, no no, this is what's
1: got me. This particular <laughs> issue that young children in Australia are being raised to say cookies. Like, I'm not even sure the cookie monster should be shown on Australian TV. I think it should be redubbed. You know how like they have local content laws? Mm-hmm. I think in Australia it should be called the Bicky Monster and they <laughs> redub it. They get like Angus
0: Samson or something yeah. to redub, and it's just like Bickies. <laughs> I it's I think it's not just I think that has permeated the wider Australian culture. Mm. Like you go into bakeries and stuff like that and you'll see they'll have signed up for cookies. My local bakery definitely does.
1: No, no, there's been a cookie takeover. I, I noticed it recently. Yeah. And I'm fine. I don't I actually don't care one way or the other. But I do think it is it's for me, I always loved the fact that like in Australia, biscuits are cookies. Or like you know, but like in England, they're biscuits also, and you're always like, well, that's that's yeah. our English, you know, background, right? Is is biscuits? Yeah. It's the Queen's English that we speak in Australia, and we eat biscuits, not cookies. And then you go to America, and you hear that they have this other thing called biscuits, which is not yeah. like biscuits at all. It's like is like like maybe like a scone, scone. Yeah. at best, yeah, yeah. A, and then their scone isn't really like a scone;
0: it's more like a rock, <laughs> <laughs> like the rock. And yes, it's been 10 episodes since we mentioned The Rock. (laughs) Thank you, Will. The quota is met. we got there. But I think cookies is a helpful distinction, right? Because if you say, Mm. hey, do you want a cookie? You know that's going to be sweet. Hey, do you want a biscuit? Well, that could be like anything. You know what? And the other thing is like when you do it all for the
1: noogie (laughs) and then (laughs) you can't take that biki and shove it up your ass. I did it all
0: for the brisket? (laughs) (laughs) I did it all for the whiskers. No, it doesn't quite work. (laughs) Hey, uh, speaking of Fred Durst, before
1: we get into uh, uh, TB, TBC, this is like a, I don't think this is a good week to have a conversation on this because I know we've got like a big mailbag and we need to get through some letters, but have
0: you watched Woodstock 99? No. No, I heard someone describe it as the most anxiety inducing uh, documentary they'd seen in a while and i just haven't been in the headspace for something that's going to make me feel anxious
1: yeah okay so this let's put this on the table okay whenever you feel in the headspace to watch woodstock 99 let's talk about it on the next episode after that okay. i could describe it to you but i just think you wouldn't understand the full horror of it. <laughs> like you have to see it to believe it it is and I would say to anybody this is our book club version any listeners out there like I mean it is anxiety inducing particularly if you've ever enjoyed going to a music festival but this documentary is off the hook and particularly that era of like new metal and that crossover and what that generation was and these young men who grew up to be the make America great again generation like you see it there like like, yeah, this thing Woodstock has gone from being this, you know, identified with one particular brand of like mu- music and movement and community and it gets taken over by like this young, white, entitled, angry and they don't know what they're angry about and then Limp
0: Biscuit come out. Anyway, watch it. Well, no, we can talk then about we'll it a little bit because I have heard a lot of uh, takes on it. I've listened to a lot of people discuss mm. it and I was listening to the Rolling Stone podcast where they talked about that link that is made between the red hats of, you know, Fred Durst to the red hats of Marga. And the journalist saying he thought that was a particularly tenuous link to make. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think what you'll understand from watching this is it's not that these kids were necessarily Limp Bizkit fans. They were Corn fans. They were Red Hot Chili Peppers fans. They were Rage Against the Machine fans. Like, but there was a particular brand of person, like whether they were wearing red hats or not, mm that became Red Hats
0: that you can see at this festival. What's the wildest uh, either festival or concert experience you've ever been to where you actually felt, ooh, this is a bit dangerous now? Oh, well, like, unfortunately,
1: like, because we're speaking on the day that it's come out that eight people at this stage have died at a Travis Scott concert in the US. Um, I was at the Sydney Big Day Out when... Limp Bizkit. uh, uh, Yeah, where she died in the mosh pit. Jessica, yeah. So... Jessica, I can't – I could never pronounce her last name, unfortunately. But uh, the Big Day Out series, they made a little podcast about the Big Day Out, which is really fantastic, and her family interviewed on it. And I just think it's a really – if you want to know, like, you know, more about that story, please listen to that podcast because I think that's a good way to find out. What's, but this um, documentary is very much like that Big right. Day Out like, podcast. That's what it feels like, except that at this thing that – once you see what happened and how it happened, you won't believe that they ever were allowed to have a festival of any kind. <laughs> of the and also, you won't believe that we just aren't talking about this all the time. Yeah, It just goes so badly from the start and continues to go badly that I can't believe that when I was watching it, like Amy and I were both watching it, just going, I can't believe this is the first time. Like I'd have heard it was a shit show. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember hearing that Woodstock 99 didn't work and blah, blah, blah. But to see the full extent of how badly it, like it and society all fell down together over that weekend is, it's stunning. Like, yeah, absolutely. That person just said anxiety inducing. Absolutely. Like the thing that Amy and I keep saying to each other was like, but why didn't they leave? Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's. there are so many, like if you looked back over the red flags, maybe not red hats, but the red flags that were seen that weekend, like, and some of it was very disastrous consequences, by the way, like some of it is funny, but some of it is absolutely not funny at all. There was like a heap of sexual assault and violence and all these sort of things. So like, um, but then there's this other aspect of it where at the end, like, again, this doesn't really spoil anything essentially by like day four, like they've just ripped the entire place down and burnt it. Like while shows are happening, like they're literally tearing down, you know, the towers where like the, like the palings off the wall and then crowd surfing on these palings and then just lighting, pushing everything over and lighting it on fire. And there is a small part of you that's like, well, that's fucking something. Something happened. Like you just,
0: it's like an experiment. Right. Stanford prison experiment or something.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, it is that Lord of the Flies thing. You're like, oh, a weekend.
0: Yeah. It doesn't take much.
1: If you just deprive people of sleep, deprive people of food, and you have the, like, heady mix of, like, you know, things that are absolutely firing them up. Like, people, like they're again, there's so many things to talk about when you actually watch it, so none of this is, like, going to spoil any of that. But they designed it. So, so for the four days, right, everyone's camping there. Everyone's staying there. Like, sewerage is fucked on the first day. Like, on the first day, people are, like, jumping around in puddles of what they think is mud. Like, they're recreating the original Woodstock and he's clearly fucking feces. By the second day, the clean water is all gone because people are now bathing in the fucking clean water. So, what you're meant to drink oh. out of people are fucking showering in and bathing in. Like... The, it goes to shit so quickly on the first day that like Amy and I were both like, like, cause we were asking ourselves, like when would we leave? Like Rage Against the Machine went on until day three or four. So I was trying to go, how long would I have convinced myself that it was worth staying for Rage Against the Machine? And I would have been out first night. Wow. No fucking doubt. As soon as the toilets stopped working, I'd be like, fuck this. I am out of here. This is going to get to a terrible place, but you'll love this. So just two programming decisions that just, like, because the guys organizing it, again, as you'll see, just did a terrible job, like made a bunch of terrible decisions, did not know what they were dealing with. They had three female acts on for the entire weekend. So, like, you've got Rage Against the Machine, you've got, like, fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers, like, corn, like, you know, all these, like, fucking huge bands. They have three female acts. Do you know or could you guess who the three female acts are? It's 1999.
0: Uh, what, what milieu? They're, I
1: will say this. They're all well-known female acts. Like, they were all household names at the time, I would say. And,
0: were they, and are they um, uh, uh, individual acts or bands or, or like, a mix of both?
1: I, look, the clue is that they were very unlike the rest of the lineups. So, yes, not, not female singers on big bands, solo female artists singing music that did not really fit with what was programmed for the rest of the festival. So pop stars? Yeah, well, pop-ish, yes. Like pop adjacent, yeah. You
0: tell me. I don't know.
1: One of them uh, was homeless and lived in a car for a while. Does that give you any clues? Jewel. Okay, so Jewel played. So <laughs> once you've got Jewel... If I told you there are another two Jewel-esque artists, can you now narrow in on who they might be? Cheryl,
0: Cheryl Crow. Two out of three. Pj Harvey. Okay, Cheryl Crow.
1: No, no. Pj Harvey's two, two alternative. So think about cool. What you've got now is Jewel, massive crossover, like alternative folky star. You've got Cheryl Crow. Well done. Nailed that. Who's your other female star of that sort of generation who is alternative enough to play an alternative music festival but also poppy enough to have a bunch of hits? Probably the most well-known still of those three people. Oh, interesting. Even though like she isn't currently like necessarily releasing like music that you know, like she's just a, probably a bit more prominently well-known. She was the more iconic person of that
0: era even than Jewel and Sheryl Oh, shit. I don't know. Once, once you take PJ out of the question, who is the... Is she like the mainstream PJ? Mate, well, Charlie, can I? Be, yeah, yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, give me a hint. Like, well, imagine I don't know. Like, it was your wedding day, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's Alanis <laughs> Morrison. <Morissette.
1: laughs> it's Alanis Morissette. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, imagine you've got 10, yeah. <laughs> much, you got 10,000 Yeah, too much. Too much of a clue. Wedding day was perfect. That was just a, a nice little sausson uh, where I could take a bite and get the flavor. Well done.
1: <laughs> so that's their three female oh. acts they have for the whole weekend. So, like, none of the fans of the other bands are going to give them a good reception. No. Like, but you're also doing nothing to mix up the energy in the lineup. But this is my favorite bit. So people hadn't slept very much because the reason is they had a rave tent but the rave tent only started when the other bands finished at like eleven thirty, twelve 12 at night and then just went right through the night so there's oh. just this footage of people who've been out in the sun drinking and taking drugs all day because they weren't checking for drugs at the door and so they've been drinking and taking drugs and then they go to all, this all night rave and just go straight through and then oh. if i had not left the night before i definitely would have left the next morning <laughs>
0: I mean, even as you're describing it, I'm actually getting like those little, that little butterflies in my tummy and bit of heart palpitations. Because I've been at festivals that've been run completely fine, and it's got to day two or day three. where I'm like, I want to get out of here. Like, I, I don't yeah. care, like how well organised it is. The one, I mean, I often think about the Simpsons. Like for for everything they skewered about society so accurately. I think the one lasting thing for me is they got mob mentality. Every time the people of Springfield go crazy and just like break down in three seconds, I reckon the Simpsons nailed. That's exactly what we're like. It does not take much of a push before we all descend into madness.
1: I think that is a great observation about the Simpsons too. I really do feel like it's almost the most accurate thing that they've got. Like, or that they do just uniquely better than anybody else. And it's so true. And that's what this weekend is absolutely. It's like if it was set in Springfield, you'd be like, yep, that would, that's what would have happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's the most cynical of takes of humanity because that is, if you say you get a bunch of people together for a music festival, what could go wrong? The most yeah. cynical thing you could say is exactly what happened at Woodstock 99. Like, it, it, yeah. from day one, it's all <laughs> going to go to shit. Literally.
1: Ah. Uh. Uh, yeah, and there were 500,000 people there. 500,000 people. Like, even that amount of people is just horrible.
0: All right, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But in the meantime, as you uh, mentioned, we have a bulging mailbag uh, stretching back to October. So I thought let's just fly through these so we can get a bit of parody because I have read some of these in advance and I think the further we get away from the question, the, the more we'll forget what they're asking. Uh, it's not so the case for this first one, which is an ever evergreen question. This is from Xander. Uh, hey Charlie and Will, hope the hip is well for you, Will, and fatherhood is going well for you, Charlie. I've got a child, you have a hip. That's the uh, <laughs> that's how we're equitable.
1: I made my sore hips and knees just before the Isn't podcast. That
0: right, it's the same thing. Uh, I'll get right into it. Do you guys remember the movie Tremors from 1990, starring Kevin Bacon? Yes, one of my favourites from that period.
1: I, I would say I remember the movie existing, but like I could not tell you one thing that happens in Tremors off the top of my head.
0: Uh, he says, uh, Xander says, I found out they're still making sequels to this movie and the seventh one came out in 2020. The plots of the recent movies are definitely ridiculous and worth uh, a Wikipedia read. Keep up the good work, guys. Uh, so I used to work in a video store. It's part of my mythology, like me, me and Tarantino. <laughs> and Tremors was like- Kevin Smith. You,
1: Kevin Smith. Yeah. Oh no, Kevin Smith was a convenience store, Yeah, right? but what,
0: next to a video yeah. store. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and Tremors was one of like my go-to's if I had to take uh, something home. It is a brilliant film and it was that era when studios would back weird original ideas and put maybe 20 million, 30 million into it because it's a special effects B movie but with a big budget and a big star. It's fantastic. It's really good. I'd, I would highly recommend. I reckon you would love it. You could go back and watch it now and because it does, occupy that, it's a comedy, it's, a, it's like Shaun of the Dead, it's a horror comedy, like a creature feature with these giant worms that live underground and attack you and it is the perfect balance of scares, laughs and adventure. It's almost like, I'd say, the perfect type of film like that. I think they made it into a series recently or they did a pilot with Kevin Bacon as like the producer and it didn't get picked up. I haven't seen any of the sequels but I cannot imagine that they would be anything near, that first film is almost perfect. I would put it almost in the same category as Ghostbusters in terms wow, of- Wow, yeah, really? it's really that good. It's a it's almost pitch perfect performance from Kevin Bacon. And then you've got Michael Gross, the dad from Family Ties, playing this like- because it's set in like Arizona, the desert. It's a small community of people who get uh, uh, attacked by these giant earthworms, like earthworms are the size of whales living on the ground that suck them under the ground. And he's the, he and his wife, who I think is Reba McIntyre, the country and western singer, play these two rednecks who are stockpiled weapons. And it's like their time to shine. Like <laughs> They go to their bunker and it's just filled with all this weaponry. And to see the dad, you know, from Family Ties, who played like this lefty hippie, then play like a redneck gun nut. It's fucking, it's brilliant. So yes, highly recommend you check out uh, Tremors. Have not seen any of the sequels. Have I sold you? Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, if anybody
1: isn't sold by that, then they're not buying anything. Well, it's like that was like that was a good sell. Like, and I've really never heard anybody else be this enthusiastic about the movie Tremors. Well,
0: there's a little primer if you want to watch a YouTube video to kind of get you up to speed on on what you're about to watch and why it's great. Red Letter Media Mm -hmm. do a review, like a 40 minute review of Tremors, and. It's a great little kind of um, primer for watching the actual film because they just sort of highlight like what these guys did with miniatures and the balance of comedy and horror and all that kind of stuff. It's funny. It, I was actually thinking about Tremors the other day because I've been watching the trailer for the new Ghostbusters. The um, What is it? Ghostbusters Resurrection, Ghostbusters Revelation, Ghostbusters Retribution. And it's so weird to see Ghostbusters, which was a Saturday night live comedy essentially where you had you know just some buddies from saturday night live making this supernatural comedy where it felt like they were riffing the whole time and it was all a bit silly and you got bill murray kind of undercutting you know the dramatic premise whenever he's in a scene and now you see the trailer for the new one and it's like steven spielberg directed it it's like the wonder of the proton packs and you know the what did your grandfather egon leave for you in the basement it's like that's not the tone of the first film at all, the first films are like an out and out
1: comedy, right? I mean, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like you said, it's a sketch. Like, I guess this would be the equivalent of like like an origin story for the t- d- two dudes from A Night at the Roxbury, right?
0: Yeah, like yeah, totally. It's, but it's so just- it's so reverent. Like in the trailer, you know, it's it's the do- the granddaughter of Egon, you know, finding out her dad was a Ghostbuster, as if like finding out he was Batman or something, like pressing a secret button and the proton pack pops up. And it's like, this is this trend we're in right now of this nostalgia kind of trip. And it's like, I'm all for that. Like, I I, I was like looking excited for that Flash trailer with Michael Keaton because I'm like, I recognise that. But I don't know that turning Ghostbusters into Captain America (laughs) makes any sense, does it?
1: I mean, I want to see that. I want to see Christopher
0: Nolan's Ghostbusters. (laughs) I want to see it get properly dark. That's a well that's a pretty good idea actually. If you got well that was like what we were talking about with Crocodile Dundee, take that silly extended yeah. stretch premise and get super serious with it. I think that would be good. Christopher Nolan's Ghostbusters would be awesome actually. Or right. David Finch's Ghostbusters. Fighting Ghostbusters. <laughs> Any film bro director. Darren Aronofsky's Ghostbusters.
1: But I think so. Like I mean if you're going to go that far, go the
0: whole hog. Who who is there a director like one of those guys ever done comedy? I guess Christopher Nolan has bits of comedy. Like Michael Caine during the Batman films was like sort of comic relief and he's not like known for it. Heath Ledger was kind of a comedic performance. Do you reckon he could handle the comedy elements of it, Christopher Nolan? I mean, I know we're doing it dark, but you still need to acknowledge like Bill Murray's going to have a cameo. So if he was like the Michael Caine character just coming in and you know, wry kind of comment here and there. Just a, just enough comedy, not to make it silly.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's right. You don't want like Taika Waititi's Ghostbusters. Although I'd be happy to say Taika Waititi's Ghostbusters, by the way. Maybe you like it. I'd just like him to take it. Re- like if Taika got Ghostbusters, he like, like sets it in New Zealand. You just want and like, you just want we doing
0: the shadows with Ghostbusters. You want to so, mash yeah,
1: up? But with, but they're Ghostbusters. Yeah.
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next bit of mail is from Bruce. Greetings, chaps. Your recent talk on workwear like Hard Yacker and King G becoming De Riga by rap stars reminded me that David Bowie was always ahead of the times.
1: Now, can I just say, I would have, I would have gone with De rigueur,
0: Oh. but you go de de with Riga. De Rigger? Uh, you probably said it right. I'll wait for Adam Spencer to correct me. <laughs> Adam Spencer's media <Meteor> watch. <laughs> he didn't correct me on the Vortex or Apex last week, so I think he must have missed the episode. you will catch up. Uh, in the mid-80s, Bruce was working in an army surplus store in Melbourne that also sold camping gear and workwear. In walked David Bowie, who was on his Glass Spider tour. Did You You're probably too young for the Glass Spider tour, I imagine. Oh, I was. Bowie browsed around with his bodyguard, who looked and sounded like a Cockney Wanker, and he's capitalised Cockney Wanker as if it's like a character in a script. <laughs> so Cockney Wanker. <laughs> uh, let's say it's just Michael Caine. Um, he was, oh no, sorry. He's actually, the reason he's capitalized is Cockney Wanker was a character from Viz magazine. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Sure. I'm, I'm not familiar with Cockney Wanker, but in my mind, he's got uh, Michael Caine's voice. Now, at one point, a young girl asked David Bowie for an autograph. Mr. Bowie looked at his bodyguard who looked at the girl and he said, not now, love. Mr. Bowie then turned to the girl and said, not now. That's my, uh, <laughs> is that a accurate Bowie two word impression? I mean, not quite, not but not terrible. Like. I'm sorry, love. I can't now. Uh, no, David Bowie. <laughs> I can't. Not now. <laughs> sorry. I mean, David Bowie is the one guy you can impersonate by saying his name. David Bowie. Isn't he? <laughs> it's not now, love. I'm David Bowie. I can't. Sorry, love. Uh, he said this with a sad look on his face as if to say, there will obviously be another time in which I would, but not now. Sorry, but my bodyguard is rather strict on the matter. Perfect. That's exactly how a celebrity should use bodyguard. Don't be pushing teenagers in the face when they get too close. Allow the teenager to ask the question and then have the bodyguard play bad cop and you play good cop. So then the teenager works away still with a positive impression of meeting you, right?
1: Yeah. You're like, oh, sorry, mate. No, 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 no. I'm not an old school bodyguard. I'm an emotional bodyguard. <laughs> oh, you know, this number that I wear here, that's my, yeah, that's my EQ. I have a high emotional intelligence and I use it in these situations. I just take the bad juju, I soak it up, David's fine, there's never a situation. We diffuse it
0: before it happens. To my astonishment, David Bowie ended up buying a bunch of hard yakka and King G workwear. Mm. As he went to pay with his credit card, I said to him, sorry, I'll need your autograph for this. He gave me a wry smile. Making David Bowie give me a wry smile is the greatest achievement of my life. And I have four children. <laughs> nah, that's okay. <laughs> Later in the week, the news showed David Bowie on stage in the, workwear, um, uh, af- uh, in the workwear after the weather. I sold him those clothes, I said to my housemates. Oh, bullshit, they replied. <laughs> I've looked at some concert footage of this tour online. and I haven't seen him wearing uh, those clothes, so maybe it was a rehearsal. If anyone else can remember, please share. So I uh, read this letter to Jem, because she's a big Bowie fan, and she says that she remembers that era, and he did wear a lot of kind of khaki, sort of more, you know, like what your King G workwear stuff would look like, short sleeve. And I I think it was when he had his peroxide blonde hair. I mean, I'm sure there's many faces he had the peroxide blonde hair, but in my head I can see him wearing like a – like a work shirt with blonde hair on, around the mid 80s. Did, does that sort of ring a bell for you? I mean,
1: again, like we don't have the one person we really need in this situation, which is Justin
0: Hamilton, who
1: would know absolutely what day and what outfit it was. <laughs> so it's weird that we're stumbling. Like Justin would listen to us stumble through this in the same way as Adam Spencer listens to us stumbling through maths. That's basically what is happening right now. We're out of our depth. But I do kind of, oh, yeah. I also kind of have that memory as well.
0: Yeah. You know, the one, you know, the, I think there's yeah. a music video or there's a song where he's wearing like a khaki yeah. shirt. And
1: kind of shirt. maybe rolled up at the sleeve.
0: Am, am I going too far? Is it rolled up at the sleeve? Podcast Mike, can you just Google uh, David Bowie, Glass Spider to a mid-80s and see if there is a photo of him in what would be like a, a Army Disposals kind of shirt, like a, a khaki shirt, long sleeve, short sleeve, name tag, just anything that confirms our bias. Uh I should mention on that hard yakka thing that I went to one of those um, hipster vintage clothing fairs while I was in the Gold Coast and the hipster had a hard yakka cap for sale for $60, like a secondhand red hard yakka cap. I think I took a photo of it. I put it on on, um, the Instagram page, the fop Instagram page. And I was like, shit, maybe we are – we thought we were being ahead of the curve, like treating it, this this blue collar workwear is like fashion, but maybe it, it's already it's already happened. Because I I I said to myself, this is ins- I was going to buy it as a joke, but I wasn't going to pay sixty bucks. And then I jumped on eBay and looked up the same hat, and that was generally the price point was between sort of forty and sixty bucks for a red hard yakka hat, which I would have sworn if you'd asked me like today that you could just go to Bunnings and get.
1: Well, I can see David the podcast Mike's dropped in a couple of images into our chat and. Uh a couple of them I couldn't download because they thought uh, the program thought that they might be suspect, and so
0: podcast right. mic's clearly just sending. I've like, seen. I've opened yeah. the, one of them. That's definitely wrong because podcast Mike, We said we said King G or hard yakka workwear. What Bowie's wearing in this shot appears to be a space suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a puffy silver and black leather jumpsuit with a some kind of like crotch strapping. That's the complete opposite <laughs> of what they were looking for. Wanted blue-collar workwear. I'll see if I can open the other one. Uh, no, I'm getting the same security word. No, they're both wrong. Podcast Mike, you have really dropped the ball on this one. That's absolutely incorrect.
1: Well, also, I should mention that our correspondent, who's clearly invested in this being the case, in fact, sold the workwear in the first place, has already done a lot of Googling and hasn't found anything. So it's probably with that knowledge that we got, It's it's hard for us to then say to Podcast Mike, hey, in 30 seconds, could you outdo, (laughs) could you do your own research and outdo this guy who has been invested in this story and been trying to track this down for years?
0: This is the TOFOP version of Squid Games. It's like, Podcast Mike, find this rare photo (laughs) of David Bowie or you'll be killed. Uh, He sent another photo in. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's like 60s Bowie. He's, he's, he looks, he's 18 years old and he's, I mean, he's in old denim, so you're getting closer, but that's, that's the wrong era. So just keep trying. We'll give you to the end of the episode before we squid games you. <laughs> and
1: what is your understanding of what squid gaming someone is, by the way? Have you watched squid game?
0: Yeah, I've watched yeah. the whole series. Yeah. Squid game is like, you know, you set a task in which there's normally some kind of, twist to the game. And if if you lose, you get shot in the head.
1: So to squid game someone means to shoot
0: them in the head is what you're saying. Well, like put put them in an impossible situation. Well, you know, they have to complete a task. They've chosen to be in this kind of horrendous death game. I'm not sure that podcast Mike has chosen to be in this horrendous death game.
1: I think he signed up to produce a podcast. Well, podcast Podcast
0: Mike, you can exit (laughs) the recording anytime you like, but I bet you he won't because it's squid game. (laughs) To get Mike to work on this show, I slapped him. I met him at a train station and slapped him in the face a bunch of times.
1: <laughs> Did you watch Squid Games? No, I. Um, we we started watching it, but I, I've been. Okay. We're talking about K-pop and um, uh, South Korea on Gruen this week because it's just become like the country itself has been become very popular off the back of like Squid Game and or, and K-pop, you know, BTS and mm. Blackpink and these bands that are hugest bands in the world at the moment. And so we're looking at it from a marketing and advertising point of view, but it's meant that I've had to read a few articles about it and it's just the success of Squid Game internationally, like for that country. Like it's their Crocodile Dundee. It's a bit darker mm. than our Crocodile Dundee. Like Duncan, Crocodile Dundee had like, a, his, Squid Game feels a little like, Okay, hi. We're South Korea, and by the way, you've been concentrating on North Korea, but we're thinking
0: some pretty fucked up shit here too. Well, South Korea though, like, has been, cinematically, they've been kind of ahead of the game right. for a while now, like starting with the host and then Parasite and stuff. So yes. this has been a long time in in the country. But I right? guess this is more in that field of mainstream, mainstream popular entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this next bit of letter, bit of letter. This next <laughs> bit of letter. This next letter. Is from James, who's a chiropractor. Uh-huh. So he's come up with a slogan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 what, so, are you what are he going to say? We'll keep malpracticing. <laughs>
1: so, so they keep anti vaxxing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry chiropractors out there no. you are real. Doctors.
1: you know what the thing is also <laughs> that i would say that it's bad chiropractors that good chiropractors would hate even more so than everybody else right it's the dodgy end yeah. of being a chiropractor that's making the
0: rest of them look bad there's good car salesmen there's yeah, good real estate agents exactly. will. There's, there's good politicians
1: absolutely good good uh good chiropractors out there
0: uh so a bit like the party here's my slogan for fellow chiropractors we keep on blank, so they keep on blank. And the uh, clue for that is that we keep on similarly for chatting. Like, uh, 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 like you uh, know, yep, a fun. I got it. One. Okay. Uh,
1: we keep on yacking,
0: so they keep on cracking. Correct. Well done. You're really good at this slogan. <laughs> I guess you do Gruen. It sort of like hones you for this, doesn't it? Just like advertising slogans. You get it. You've worked with too many creatives now. <laughs> uh, okay, this is from Chris. He says, uh, listening to Playgrounds for Playing, we talk about a musical equivalent to Van Halen in the 91 Back to the Future. So for people who haven't heard that episode, I was suggesting that that scene in Back to the Future where Marty McFly goes back and convinces George McFly is from the future because he plays in Van Halen and the music is so foreign to George, like it freaks him out, is there equivalent today? Mm. Now... When we recorded that, we couldn't really come up with one. We're like, oh, no, music scene hasn't changed that much. But then as soon as we stopped recording, I thought of one, and Chris is sort of the same artist. You can't tell me some awful shit like skill Rex mm. wouldn't terrify someone from that time. Any of that shit from the last five years, it sounds like a fire engine giving birth to an ambulance would work. Just that, or have a five-minute conversation about climate change or the pandemic, that'll sort it out. So,
1: yeah, no, you're right. Like a Skrillex or like
0: a... I did what I say, Rex. <laughs> I said, Skill Rex. <laughs> I'm the oldest man in the world, Skill Rex. I do need to get glasses. I'm putting it off big time, and I'm trying to read this monitor. You know, uh, you ain't yeah, Rex. He's wrecks.
1: real skilled. Skill at being a DJ.
0: Skill Rex. If you, well, when we start our blue collar crew, I'm going to call myself Skill, skill Rex, and I'll be wearing all my hard jacket. Not, not <laughs> <It's
1: wrecks>. Absolutely <laughs> not related to Skrillex in any way. Skill Rex.
0: Uh, yeah, that would be, that sounds like futuristic brain-melting something, I reckon, if you heard that in 1991. Yeah, I guess anything with a sample. <laughs> I mean, even anything with
1: a sample. Like, if you played the Frontier psycho- uh, Psychiatrist by, like, the Avalanches, I think that that would be, yeah. really, like, because it's all, you know, recorded about- voices and samples. I think that would sound very futuristic. Hang on, but, but
0: 91, wasn't that the era of Jive Bunny? So we sent we sent them back a jive bunny. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying jive bunny was in 1991. Like, you're not. If you hear the avalanches, it's only what ten years in the future. That's going to be like, oh, this is sounds a bit like jive bunny. Jive bunny got their act together. I I mean, I guess you could like relate it to, but I, that's why
1: I think it's not too foreign. Like, it's a, it's a clearly an advanced version of something that already exists. Where like, whereas like, if you played Skrillex to people from like that era, then I think that there would be, you'd be like, no, this is just the alarm going
0: off in your phone. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: you you <laughs> yeah, wouldn't right. necessarily
0: recognize that it is music. What about like something from the Nine Inch Nails? They have some pretty heavy industrial stuff. Yeah. I mean, don't play closer. I think that would just weird out no, <laughs> George That's the flying. only thing that you said you want to, with. You want to wop me like a what? That's it. This is the only <laughs> proof I have that I'm from the future. So you're going to have to sit through it. Uh, John writes in, Hey Charlie and Will, after listening to today's episode, the Anchor Man, where you discuss the idea of turning on a device with messages from the future and how many messages would come through, reminded me of the poor lady who Charlie doxed with a fax machine. So I've set out to make my new movie Fax to the Future, where a mysterious time traveler played by a Clawson type entrusts his fax message messages to a lady in the shop, but she soon discovers they are messages from the future. Thanks oh, for all the free yes. funny. Uh love from your Irish listener. Well, top of the morning to you.
1: <laughs> may, may your potatoes
0: be plenty and bountiful, as you I are hope fond you, of saying. I hope you, are fu- you found the person who took your lucky charms. <laughs> 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 I'm half Irish. I can make those jokes. It's yeah. my people. Yeah, I, That's I our think, look, to... I'm a white Australian, so chances are there's some Irish in there somewhere. Um, okay. What do we think of this idea, facts to the future? I think it's got legs. Yeah, I agree. As a comedy, I could see it as a kind of like Judd Apatow, Seth yeah. Rogen.
1: It's a woman who's got like, like she's getting these faxes from the future, but she's annoyed yeah. by it because she's trying to run her news agency. Yeah, she's... She has no... She's not in the solving crimes from the future business but she has this fax machine that keeps getting these mysterious faxes and it annoys the shit out of that her.
0: That is brilliant. So she's just taken over this news agent. Like yeah. maybe she just split from her husband, you know, she's in a shitty mood. She's taken over this thing. She's going to try and make this news. It's never run a, a shop before and you know, as she's clearing up the back room, she finds this old fax machine, blows the dust off it. Doesn't realize that it's a bit of high-grade like a, a military tech that was left there, stock, left there by accident, and it was like this experimental fax machine that was taking messages from their agent in the future. And so she plugs it in, and, and it comes through, and it's and it's basically quantum cop. <laughs> it's quantum cop is sending back. Okay, you know what? The du- the
1: the dude she buys the store yep. from the dude who died. He's was scientist? he that he, oh, that okay. was his cover, yep. right? Like he's the guy who's invented the future fax machine dude, and he's been like living in this news agency. It's a good cover to have that sort of equipment out the back and he's just been using it to and then he dies. she takes over the estate. she's trying to she finds it out the
0: back. okay. And so what is the issue? She's got to have a goal, and these faxes have got to get in the way of that. So if you were I mean, well, her goal is to like survive because she's a single mother now and she's trying to run a news agency. yeah and she's getting these, like, panic messages from the future about humanity being at stake. (laughs) She gets annoyed. Right. Because, like, well, because remember with your, like, the lady who we annoyed, wasn't she
1: hearing the phone ring or whatever from her house or something like that? Night and day. So this is what, so it kind of has that horror, like, just mysteriously, the fax machine starts, like, ringing. Like, maybe it's not even plugged in. in, Do you know what I mean? That's perfect, yeah. Yeah, Because our
0: future tech, they don't even use, like, they don't need a plug. Yeah, that's right. I mean,
1: it'd be ridiculous to like rely on just
0: like a plug for this device, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then I think you need to bring in another character, because this guy, who's this guy sending this, who is, is the contact point who's meant to be getting these messages? Like Looper. Right. So someone so the guy is coming to the news agent to get he's got to get the because there you've got a conflict because he wants these faxes, but she's just annoyed that who's this guy who keeps faxing me. So and then I think they can go on an adventure together. Maybe. A love story. I like those movies where in a lazier film, they would make them fall in love, but they never do. They just have, they don't like each other, but they they, they have a begrudging respect for each other by the end, but it's never, it never goes further. you never see them kiss or there's never kind of a, some confession or anything like that. They just two, two different people who find a, a common cause. Okay. I'm fine with that. That, that feels okay to me,
1: but what, so he's got to recruit her because she's the one who's yes. standing in between him and, but how could she realistically be standing between like a, a spy type person, like, you know, assuming that, like, what stops him from just coming in and being able to access this fax
0: machine? We, I reckon we just build in some con, kind of convenient tech where because she was the yeah. one who turned it on, the fax got coded to her. So you can't actually read the faxes unless you have like the coding with it, like that. She, she, when she pressed the power button, it implanted a nanobot mm. <laughs> under her skin. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Nanobots, yeah. that's good. <laughs>
0: We'll use, we'll use
1: the universal Hollywood language of yada, yeah. yada, yada plot point and blame it on nanobots. <laughs>
0: Definitely nanobots. So it implants a nanobot in her, so yeah. she, uh, which then moves the, it moves up her bloodstream to her cornea, and so she's the only mm-hmm. person. It just looks like a blank sheet to him. So he needs her to translate the faxes to him.
1: Oh, that's great. Only she can read the faxes, yeah. like, it's in, like invisible yeah. a- ink to everybody else because people can't understand at the start – because she's like she's getting these mysterious messages because I think she should get the messages a bit before he turns up, right? And she's getting these mysterious messages and we can play it a bit like no one's believing yeah. her because when they look at the pieces of paper they just it's see like they, a blank page and she's just come out of this relationship and like you know everything's been going wrong in her how life. How about
0: this? It's like they live that great scene in They Live where Roddy Piper starts putting on the glasses for the first time and seeing all the billboards obey. So for her it is like a horror film because she's getting these like almost mm. like threatening messages coming through, like right. all humanity will die, blah, 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 blah. And she's showing them to people and no one can kind of understand what she's talking about. And the great thing is because she doesn't know she has had the corneal implant. She's seeing right. and You don't see it. No, it's blank paper yeah. as far as I'm concerned. The one guy who believes her is the agent. So she needs his help. Right.
1: Yeah, okay, that's good. Okay.
0: Yeah, okay, <laughs> perfect.
1: Now she has a reason to be yeah, with him as that's well. that's right. See, he's screenwriting. Well, that's the
0: first act. I mean, we've come up with the premise. What happens in the second act? So they've got to work out. There's, I reckon it's a, it's a film where they're not going to be able to travel into the future, but this person sending them messages, it's whether or not you can trust him. Maybe... It starts right. off where you think that he's being helpful. They're stopping, you know, whatever kind of assassinations or, or whatever. But then suddenly maybe they're being manipulated and maybe rather than the contact point, it's actually AI from the future who wants them to do all these things so they can ensure that the robots take over. Or if the AI is working mm-hmm. for like a like a like an evil entity or something like that, that's what it should be. It's a good film. I want to see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Let's not call it copyright tofu. Uh, I don't know if, if that <laughs> saves us in any way, but uh, yeah, you can't steal that. Uh, facts to the future. We'll we'll workshop the name. I don't know. I want to call it facts to the future. Yeah, working title. Yeah. Probably wouldn't actually. We, legally, we probably wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> uh, this next bit of mail is from Jocelyn. Subject line: Growlers and bikinis, but not like that. Mm-hmm. Hello, gents. My job is to teach people about beer. No, really. Since both of you have made your anti-craft beer stance fairly clear, I don't know I'm I'm anti-craft beer. I think we mock what is easily mocked about craft beer and hipsters. I don't know that I'm anti-craft beer. Are you anti-craft beer?
1: Am I? I don't.
0: I mean, not entirely. But, like, I'm not definitely all in on it either. So No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not a connoisseur. I, I, it's probably, I, I don't think I really order craft beers unless I don't know if there's nothing else I recognize at the bar. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw it in the bar person's face, for instance. <laughs> no, and
1: <laughs> if it were the only beer available, I would absolutely happily have a craft beer. But if I was – I haven't been drinking, but like, in my, like when I was drinking a lot of beer, I would – no, I mean, you know what? That's not true. It depends what you mean by craft beer. Like I would drink yeah. things that were like a little crafty. Like, that's what I like. She's crafty. I don't like full-on crafty. I don't feel like crafty to the point where you're like, well, that was more like a meal than a drink. Like, that's not what I want. But I want, like, a touch of crafty. I don't want your traditional – I don't want to be drinking a VB. I want, like, whatever craft beer that
0: VB bought and thought was commercially available. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Jocelyn uh, continues, you probably hate what I do, uh, but if you want to come along anyway, the company – and we'll give a free plug. is called Hop On Brewery Tours. It's still worth noting that the big refillable glass flagons you see for sale at breweries, which is one point eight liters, are called growlers. Oh. Were you aware of that? I was not. No, I've never no. been on a brewery tour, Beer tour. I don't think.
1: No. I mean, I think Beer I've been on a own. couple
0: of like breweries, but I don't think I've ever been on like a proper like. What do you mean? Why? are oh, you know, I went to the Guinness Brewery in, in yeah. when I was in Dublin because. Oh, yeah, me too.
1: Okay, yeah, no, I I, I went to the Guinness
0: Brewery. That's true. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, Whatever.
1: It's a factory. Yeah, (laughs) you talked it up a bit.
0: It's like, I mean, how many floors do you want to put, like, the beer-making process on? I reckon, like, one room would do. It's like, have you been to the Cadbury
1: factory in Tasmania? Have you ever been to, do you ever do a school excursion to the Cadbury factory? Yeah, guess what that is? A factory. You get some free chocolate at the end. That bit's great. But we
0: could skip straight (laughs) to that bit as far as I'm concerned. Same with the Guinness factory. And this is where we underpay our workers and stop them from joining a union. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, why are they called growlers? The story goes that in the early 1800s, pintails, pitchers, glass jars or jugs or other vessels were used to carry beer home from the local pub. These growlers supposedly got their name because as the beer sloshed around, it caused the carbon dioxide to escape and created a growling noise. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard my beer make any kind of noise. I've heard my body make a lot of noises after (laughs) having the beer. My relationship with beer these days, I still like the flavor of it but i can i can have one i always said to jim the first one's great and then anything after that i just feel so bloated and gross and full and i don't know what happened to me i actually went out i had drinks on friday night for the first time in so long and i didn't even have that much i reckon i had four drinks and i was hung over the next day <laughs> i couldn't believe it i was so annoyed that like what what's happened to my my ability to tolerate alcohol it's just completely decreased
1: oh i mean i i've kind of no i don't want to like make a big deal about it but i just haven't been drinking for ages and the longer it goes like i had one drink with dinner the other night which was like my first drink in like six months or whatever and i was kind of like yeah i mean i don't know if i'm I mean, who knows? Who fucking knows? I'll probably be blind
0: drunk in three weeks, you know. But <laughs> uh, nowadays, you would buy a growler and fill it with beer at a local brewery. It re- reduces waste, ensures you're getting the freshest product, and is great merch. Two litres of beer. I don't mm. think there would be any instance, even in my twenties, where I would consume two litres of beer. I don't think that seems like a lot. What's how, a, how much is in a can? Like what, three seventy-five? Okay, so six cans. So or just under six. Oh, great. Round this about a great. six pack Adam Spencer right now, <laughs> losing his mind. <laughs> Imagine the fun I have trying to teach our guests about growlers, the beer kind, where there is constant sniggering from 30 to 40 to 50-year-old men. Oh, good, though. I am aware of what I've got myself into when I start the story. Do you have to refer to it as growlers? That would be – I mean, is it that – important to the narrative if she just said to me um this glass here it's called a flagon i'd be like oh yeah i've heard that word before it makes sense the fact that you're referencing some rare slang from the 1800s like come on i don't think you have to just i would check with your boss i reckon maybe you could exercise that part from your speech that you have to give these people on the tour and they'd be fine with it
1: i know but i understand when you're like well we were growlers first like, your definition of growler like, has come along and overtaken our definition of growler. Well, yeah, but... Uh, We're so the you're, original you're, growlers. You're, mate, not even she had... the good name of growlers.
0: <laughs> not even she had stuck with their name when things turned bad. Even they had the common sense to go, you know what, it's fine, guys, we'll change our name. <laughs> Regarding G-string bikinis, all right, so Jocelyn's okay. taking a uh, left turn here, that harken back to the Cindy Crawford era, it is a fashion statement that has overlapped into necessity, question mark, because it's so popular. It's almost impossible to walk into a shop and buy a normal bikini that doesn't crawl up your ass or stretch over your belly button. I just want something to cover my cheeks and sit on my hips, That that is so par se and difficult to find. Yes, Many So yes, many wear those string bikinis by choice or many wear them due to lack of choice. I think men will never know the pain of changing fashion trends. Thank you for all the arts of entertainment uh, and for keeping me laughing as I toddle from Brisbane uh, from Brisbane and around the Goldie. Okay. Specific Queenslander. Well done. Uh, yeah. You know what I've also noticed with the, the G-string kind of phenomena is there's, there's wetsuits, essentially, like steamers. Mm-hmm. You'll see surfers. And so it's like full sleeve, you know, arms and and up to the neck. And then it gets down to the waist Mm -hmm. and it's a G-string wetsuit. And I'm like, I don't understand what is going on here. I don't necessarily dislike it, but I don't understand what's going on here.
1: I just want to know whose decision it was. You know, (laughs) was it something that the women who would wear those out into the surf were demanding? If so, absolutely 110% I am behind that. Like if that's, you think it's more comfortable, you feel better, whatever. Like, absolutely. But as our correspondent may have suggested, that it's something that is being forced upon the majority of people because somebody else made a decision, then that's... Yeah, it's... Seems unfair. unfair. Yeah, it seems a little <laughs> unfair, I would have thought. Of all things, a wetsuit. It's just one of those things that is mostly made
0: for practicality. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it covers all of you. That's kind of the point. Uh, this is from Jen. Hi guys, I've been a teabagger since the beginning and I still listen every week. Though recently I've fallen a few weeks behind and I'm at the point where we speculate on Hollywood using Tofop's podcast instead of paying writers. Yeah, that's one of our probably most far-fetched gripes is that we get poached for ideas by Hollywood. Well, uh, wait until we see facts in the future. <laughs> I actually, look, copyright TOEFOP. I actually think it's a really <laughs> solid idea. And I know that uh, the certain production companies are looking for romantic comedies. And I think that one would be quite good. Anyway, copyright TOEFOP, copyright TOEFOP. <laughs> How many times, if I say it three times in a mirror, does that make it legal? Um, I have an example a little closer to home. Just before we plummeted back into lockdown, I was lucky enough, after three reschedules, to finally get to see the stage play of Bluey with my four-year-old. Now, uh, listeners for Tophat might not know that Bluey is Will's nemesis, the only show to outwrite Gruen on the ABC. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know,
1: in, in kids, like let's be honest, like kids don't. I, care I, mate, I've got to say,
0: kids. I've been watching Little Bluey and it's really good. Yeah. It's really
1: good. Yeah, no, that's fine. I know adults think that Bluey's <laughs> great, and that's fine. But Bluey's not a real person. Bluey's a cartoon girl, I believe. Cartoon, like I don't even know the story of Bluey. Like for ages, I thought Bluey was a cop. Anyway. <laughs> like, like Bluey is not a cop <laughs> in any Bluey's way. Bluey's a girl, that's for Patrol a start. or something, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, not the cop. Girls, Girls can't be cops.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, now I don't want to give any spoilers here. But there is a fairly decent subplot, which involves grass grubs. And in my 35 years, it's only the second time I've heard of these. The first being episode 331 of Toe For the rest of the show, I couldn't help but wonder if one of the writers was also a teabagger taking inspiration from Charlie's misadventures. Mm -hmm. And with a new season of Bluey on the Horizon... I will definitely be on alert for any Topop adjacent storylines. The second uh, the second there is a bin dispute, (laughs) I will know that there is a conspiracy. uh, That this conspiracy theory is true. Thanks for all the laughs. Hope you're keeping well in this extraordinary world that is 2021. Uh, Well, I'll go. I want to go like a full cure, non-conspiracy on this. Go down the rabbit hole.
1: Okay, so why is Bluey called Bluey? What is the reason that Bluey is called Bluey? Healer. They're part of the, the Right, who was on Blue who was on the TV show oh, Blue shit. Healers?
0: Yeah, that me.
1: Right. So this is somebody who's obviously been doing some research by watching Blue Healers, like, to research for the show, and then has like stumbled upon you, found out you've got a podcast, is listening to our podcast, and much like Hollywood,
0: is ripping off our ideas. Well, you know what? The sort of one of the ongoing story now Bluey is your nemesis (laughs) one of of the ongoing storylines of 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 bluey is like it's her relationship with her father it's one of the one of the best things about the show uh is the way it it positively portrays the relationship a father can have with his daughters like this is a father who's constantly available supportive of bluey in every way doesn't try and restrict her you know when she has emotional outbursts it's really beautifully written relationship but he's also a bit of a dorky dad who gets into mishaps all the time, and you can do an entire episode around his name's Bandit, around his mishaps, and in many ways, I have watched Bluey, mm-hmm. and Iona will often look to me after watching an episode of Bluey and call me Bluey Dad, as in yeah. the Bluey the Dad I see on TV. It reminds me a lot of you, so I don't yeah. think it is. A she's m-
1: staring at this, yeah. When Bandit's on, she's like that. Yeah. Dad. <laughs>
0: That is you. You are a classic bandit. I mean, she also watches Peppa Pig. And when she watches that, she turns to me and calls me Daddy Pig. I'm like, what the hell? What did you call me? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, so I think so. I mean, look, I, the, grass, the grass grubs thing is weird because I had never heard of grass grubs prior to that happening. And the fact that Bluey – and and there is enough connection. You're an ABC employee. Mm. Um, you know, I think that there, there could have been – we were slagging off in all – you know, good humour and jest. We were slagging off Bluey a little while back. Maybe someone passed mm. that episode on to a media writer?
1: monitors. Media monitors over at Bluey HQ yeah,
0: are like the Google alerts.
1: Anderson talking shit about <laughs> us. Like,
0: imagine <laughs> if we got into a full-blown, like hip-hop style beef with Bluey. Like, they, they released, like, a little 30-second animation of, like, Blue just being, like, fuck Tofop or something like that. You know, they bleep out fuck I first.
1: only ever, like, for any of these things, I only ever – our rule at Gruen is I will only ever get into fights with people that I actually absolutely love. Like, you know, that couldn't I couldn't possibly be in a fight with. So – the other one's Arndo, like like the amount of jokes I've made about Arndo and Arne's, um, like where it's like it would seem like I had a real feud with Arn. I love Arn. I Like Arne before he was like famous, used to open for me and stuff. He was like he's a cool guy, but like Bluey and Arn are my on my hit list. At the well, moment.
0: what about Joe Rogan? I mean, you're in a
1: feud with him now, right? Oh man, like this week it felt like I actually was <laughs> in a feud with Joe Rogan. It was awesome. Like certainly some of the comments I was getting from like Joe Rogan fans, like they were like. Like, I picked a fight with Joe But you didn't Rowan. actually comment so, anything. You just
0: retweeted the tweet, right? You didn't actually yeah,
1: say anything. So, yeah, yeah, so for people that don't know what the story was, like, there was an ad made by Paper Moose, who are the agency, like, on Gruen for the first episode. We sent them the challenge to convince the people who can't be convinced when it comes to vaccines. And so they made this fictional ad about a guy... Jazz Tremlow, who people might know, the comedian, and a very funny performance by him. And he is uh, dying of some sort of allergic attack in a cafe. And somebody goes to give him an EpiPen and he starts asking the series of questions that anti-vaxxers might ask about, like the vaccines. You know, what brand is it? Where were they made? What were the blind trials? Blah, blah, blah. And then the final sort of punchline as he's like gasping for his final breath is like, what did Joe Rogan say? Uh, Someone called Joe. And Joe Rogan posted that on his. In fact, this is. Did you read what he actually said when he posted it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Australia's mishandled the pandemic and this is propaganda and blah, blah, blah. I
1: will read it
0: out because it is just so amazing.
1: Like, uh, if it's still up on his page, let's see if he's left it up there or has he actually finally put
0: it down. Oh, he might have actually finally put it down.
1: Interesting podcast, Mike. Okay. You can
0: find, can you find the uh, what he wrote on Instagram? Oh, no, there I, it is. Know. No, still got it here.
1: Okay, so firstly, there's 22,000 comments. I have not read any of them because I feel like that would not be a good place for me to spend my <laughs> yeah. time. But this was what he posted Not only has Australia had the worst reaction to the pandemic. Now, Charlie, let's just fact check this on the way through. Do you believe that Australia has had the worst reaction to the pandemic? No, I
0: don't believe so. And think in terms of like numbers of hospitalisation and deaths mm. per capita were actually done all right. Yeah, one of the best. In fact, I would have said with dystopian police state measures, someone like follows somebody... RV Yemeni on Instagram. I'm yeah. feeling like Rebel News right, like is in the feed
1: that are truly inconceivable to the rest of the civilized world. No, no, I don't think no so. they're not. Pretty standard stuff, to be honest. Um, but they have also have the dumbest propaganda. And then he posts <laughs> That's that, that that sentence ad. there
0: is just kiss. The dumbest propaganda. Like the levels of irony in that, it would make Alanis Morissette blush.
1: <laughs> Mate, the the work that he has done here, like for a guy who is all about do your own research and this ad is playing on the idea that Joe Rogan is the do-your own research guy. To <clears throat> not do his own research, to not check that it was a real ad, to post it, and so this is the best bit. Edit two hours later. Apparently, this is not a real ad. It's from a satirical show. <laughs> now, this week, I had to talk to a lot of people about that. Like a people, a lot of people wanted to talk about it on the radio and and stuff like that when I was doing Gruen promotion. And like, I wasn't out in any way to start a beef with Joe Rogan. Like, I didn't do this. Like. We made an ad and like then Joe Rogan did not check to see if it was a real ad. And this is a guy who is constantly like spreading a whole bunch of opinions about like what Australia is going through that are just absolutely not true and around vaccines that are absolutely not true and really fucking dangerous in some cases. And then suddenly I was in trouble with his fans (laughs) because they, it turns out, for people who purport to be fans of
0: comedians, cannot take a (laughs) joke. a little sensitive? a little sensitive. Oh my fucking god. Yeah, it was funny. I did see though uh, in, in on one of the, there was a comment under uh, one of the tweets and I love this like what no matter what side of the argument you fall upon when you were discussing a very famous person or you know someone who has done done, uh, done something stupid or tweeted something stupid there's always someone in the comments who's like who And I'm like, come on, dude, even if you hate Joe Rogan, you can't argue that he is not incredibly well known, like the most popular podcast in the world. So dismissing that with a who is like, come on, you're being silly now. 200 million downloads a week. Like his
1: Instagram has nearly 14 million followers. So he posted that to half of the Australian population. Great promo for Gruen. Great promo for Gruen, but not a great promo for
0: Joe Rogan as a trusted source of information, I would suggest. <laughs> who would have thunk it? The guy who thinks the moon landings were fake. Who would have thunk it? Uh, Let's do one bit of mail, Will, and get out of here. And if you want to send us some mail, the best way to do that is to go to tofop.com. There is a contact. Actually, not if you're a Joe Rogan fan. I've got a feeling when this episode comes out, we might be hearing. No, no,
1: it's fine. I understand what your opinions are. You can keep them to yourself. (laughs) Yes, Joe Rogan has more podcast downloads than we
0: do. I understand. (laughs) I know how numbers work. (laughs) Well, I clearly don't because Adam Spencer corrects me every bloody week. (laughs) (laughs) But if you do want to send us some other correspondence unrelated to the Gruen fake ad, you can. Uh, at TAFOP.com, and while you're there, check out some of our other great podcasts. Who is on philosophy this week, Will? On philosophy this week, uh, an
1: absolute legend of Australian comedy, I would say, Kaz Cook, journalist, writer, cartoonist, uh, cartoonist uh, radio host, TV presenter. Like she's done it all, and she's done it all in absolutely fantastic manner. She has a new book out uh, called You're Wrong, which is a history of women being told that they're wrong about things and uh, it's super funny and super entertaining and it's a really great chat with Kaz Cook. But we are also, up until Christmas, uh, doing a whole bunch of philosophy episodes. So um, if you haven't had a listen to philosophy for a while, there are so many good episodes coming out
0: over the next few weeks. And on Fofop this week, my guest is a up-and-coming comedian you may have heard of. His name is David Anthony.
1: Oh, yes, really? Yeah.
0: Now, I was going to send you a message about this to see if it was okay because he is your guest, Charlie, number one. But I've That's been true. meaning to get Dave on. I tried to get him on an Instagram Live uh, a, a while back and we just couldn't line it up. So I was desperate to, to talk to him. Are there any ground rules? I know it's, I'm sort of stepping into your turf. Here. Is there anything that you don't want me to discuss? Is there anything that you feel like is your territory and you don't want me leveraging off like you know, the banter you have with Dave?
1: I like this interesting take on generosity you have. It's like you've come into my house, you're like, I'm going to fuck your wife, but is there any way you particularly like me to fuck your wife? (laughs) I'm I'm inclusive with my cucks. (laughs) It's your house. (laughs) If you just... Well, to be honest, mate. No, um, no, no, no. Of course, just have your own conversation. Like I'm... I don't... Here's what I will say is there'll just be... Certain areas that you don't want to get into. No, I'm, like unless you want it to completely go in that <laughs> direction. That's all I would say. Yeah,
0: I've, yeah I, I, I've, I've, I've got a, a list stuck to my wall of things I'm going to try to yeah. avoid, and 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 politics, and and whether or not the basketball is rigged is, is one that will stay one. <laughs> 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 All right, our final bit of mail, and thank you to everyone who sent this mail in. Um, when we finish this episode, we're going to jump across to our Patreon and record a special uh, Patreon mailbag episode because that um, uh, that mailbag is bulging as well. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, I'd highly encourage it. You, you get to see full videos of the episodes every week. We upload them to our Patreon plus bonus episodes plus artwork. James and I were working on the final installment or second or the penultimate using that word correctly for the first time installment of Quantum Cop. Don't know where it's at. James, I know you're listening to this because you're doing the artwork. Where are we at with Quantum Cop? Can we give people like a deadline of of where, and where they might be able to see it? Don't want to put any more pressure on you, but just give me a ballpark: six months, a year, five years. Also, James is currently
1: working on my new show oh, art for my tour for next year. So <laughs> behind let's that, re- rethink some priorities. Okay. Uh,
0: uh, the other thing I want to mention about Patreon, oh yes. To all our Patreon subscribers, uh, I know it's been a backlog of uh, waiting for your top tier prizes. They've all been sent. And if there's anyone who hasn't received their posters or doesn't receive in the next few weeks, just let me know. I've just been emailing with a bunch of you who haven't got stuff. So I'm going to try and, and, and get them out as quickly as possible. But I think I sent out like 30 posters and a bunch of fridge magnets last week. So they are coming. And now a final bit of mail, Will. This is from uh, Megan. Hi Will and Charlie, I've been listening to you guys for five years. I've only recently become a Patreon subscriber. Good way to go out. Thank you. So, fairly, I just want to say a big thanks for all the last of the years. The first episode I have strong memories of involved you analysing the lyrics of Orinoco Flow by Enya. That's what really cemented that for me, uh, that I'd arrived home podcast-wise. It appealed to my sense of humor so perfectly. I thought, finally, here is a podcast for me. (laughs) I had a similar moment listening to your most recent episode when you both started talking about how much you love office works. Despite Charlie's unfortunate experience, by the way, being caught crouching on the floor with a hole punch sounded like one of my worst nightmares. I'm surprised you survived it, Charlie, but it seems like your technique worked and I may have to use it in the future. I love office works and whenever I'm in there, I get an overwhelming desire to buy all kinds of exotic and unnecessary stationery. I already own way too many empty notebooks and colourful pens, but who knew manila folders came in so many colours? It is intoxicating. Yeah, I hear. I'm with you. Same, same. As a woman in my late 20s, maybe it's odd to have such a moment of kinship with two men in their 40s (laughs) talking about stationery. Oh, fuck. When the Roganites come for us, they're going to tear us apart. Like, Listen to that description of us. Like, we can't fight. We can't hunt. We talk about how much we love stationery. We're dead, mate. <laughs> love stationery and analyzing song lyrics in far more depth than ever intended. They're some of the things that bind us together as humans. Yeah, that's a, the that's a message of Tofot, man. Uh, we keep on shoving. So you keep on loving? <laughs> shoving shit? No, oh, no, I don't oh, know. Oh, boy. No, <laughs> God, can we have to love him without the shoving, <laughs> please? <laughs> more cushion. Let's push him. <laughs> On a more serious note, thank you for all the hard work you do in getting this podcast up so regularly. It's got me through some very hard times, especially in the last couple of years. So thanks, guys. Megan. Well, thank you, Megan. And thank you to everyone who wrote in. And thank you to everyone who's listening. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Alanison.